1: So on today's episode, we have Stephanie Bano, and she is from Austin, Texas. And uh, such a great episode. She just finished her what deal, Andressa? Her, her first one. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> and um, I just think what's so fascinating with this, and we get a lot of questions from women, is about you know, going back to that first deal and really breaking it down. So what I loved about this episode on a lot of levels, we went through so many great tips for all of you women about to listen. The one thing she said, and she, she literally said it throughout the entire episode was about the, the importance of building your network mm-hmm. before you have a deal. So I just love that she did it. She did it beautifully and she explains how she did it and who she looked for, and I think that's that's key, and it's not talked enough about, I think, in the circles of, we talk about the deal, the deal, the deal, she didn't even say that, she said the network.
2: Exactly, and since that's her first deal, and it's so fresh, I can't even think about my first one, like, after yeah. I gave birth, kind of went, went away, half of it, <laughs> but, it goes out, it before, goes out with the kid. Yeah, right? So for her, you guys will see on this podcast that her expectations, it's not that she's got started and she has like two months in and she didn't get anything and she's out. No, it took her one year to build that network to really get her, you know, ducks in the row. And even though sometimes the, the stars were not lined up. She was, ev- she was able to pull everything together and make it work. So this is such a great episode for you guys that are starting out. And also for you guys that are also looking to um, scale, she has great tips uh, about training VAs for foreclosure. So check it out.
3: Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa.
1: Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where we're on this big mission to support women across the globe to live a financially free life and in a balanced way. And we we talk a lot about that and we're you know, continually figuring that out and podcasting and, you know, interviewing these amazing women is one step towards that. So we have Stephanie on our show today. Stephanie, welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Stephanie is amazing for a lot of reasons. She's going to talk about her journey today and uh, she's from Texas and we're going to get into her story as well in a moment. Uh, so excited to have her on. But before, before we do that, love to just briefly connect with all you wonderful women out there and mm-hmm. kind of share a little bit about what's, what's up for us and hopefully add some value to your lives beyond real estate. So, uh, Andressa,
2: what is happening? So I want to tell you guys a funny story. So we interviewed Stephanie a couple of months ago and something happened with her interview. You went to the black hole. <laughs> where all the socks are. <laughs> so we couldn't find it, but I'm so glad that we did. And and why am I talking about this? Like, how does that help you, right? I think sometimes in real estate, some certain things happen and we can't figure out why did that happen? We're just getting upset about that. Mm. And once I heard uh, Steve Jobs talking um, in a, um, I think it was a, like a graduation or something like that, and he says that we can, he said that we could connect the dots uh, looking to the future. We only can collect, connect the dots looking back, and then things will make sense. So I'm really happy that we lost Stephanie's <laughs> interview, because from that point to now, so many things happened. And I am so freaking excited about to talk to her about all of those things because one thing about Stephanie is that she doesn't stop just on her world, right? She's very effective leader as an investor leader in Texas. Her group is almost like 500 people. By now, by the time that we are releasing this interview, she's already probably beyond that. And she's like doing a fundraising, and she just changed jobs, and she's investing in real estate, and, and, and. So I'm really excited about it. And that's what I want to talk about today.
1: Yeah, Be, so being, stay good tight. The,
2: yeah. yeah being good
1: and being, not only being okay with it, but actually embracing the things that we can't control, and just moving on and looking at what the positives. And we all yeah. know that, you know, you read a million positive, positive thinking books, but then when you're in the, the midst of it, to be that way is always the harder part, right?
0: <laughs> we yeah. know what to do, but so
1: great reminder.
2: <laughs> yeah. awesome right. reminder. I, th-
0: I think part of it too is just constantly reminding yourself that this isn't the destination. Wherever you are, whatever you're feeling right now is not the destination. It's a mm-hmm. journey. It's not a race. And you're eventually going to end up where you're supposed to be. And all the things that you deal with along the way are just stepping stones to kind of build that growth and build that um long-term success for yourself and you just kind of have to take it and be like, oh, this is really uncomfortable now, but how do I sit with that and deal Mm -hmm. with that in the current moment and know that it's not permanent and that Mm -hmm. things are constantly changing around us?
1: Yeah, excellent point. Yeah, excellent, excellent point. So without further ado, let's jump into you and your, your wonderful story. Uh, We like to ask the ladies that we interview just kind of what, propelled you to get involved in real estate investing? We have a lot of things we can get involved in, but why real estate investing and how did it really begin for you?
0: So kind of funny story. So I kind of got into real estate um, by quitting an old job of mine last year. Um, So I left a company last April, um, was just kind of looking for some personal growth, was looking for some changes in my life. Um, my job had been kind of crazy, kind of hectic and I got out of it being like, okay, so what's, what's the next big step for me? What's my next plan? And that, you know, when I quit, I was in that, that situation of being like, Ooh, this is super uncomfortable. I'm leaving a job that I've been working seven years, pretty much right out of college. And Hmm. what's next? What's the next big thing for me? Right. Um, so I ended up attending a real estate investment conference here in Austin. Um, I only had one friend that I knew would even think about going to a conference like this. And um, fast forward a year later, he's actually my business partner now. Um, but yeah, so we ended up going to this real estate investing conference and we're listening to these gurus and these TV you know, show hosts talk about real estate investing and how easy it is. And I'm like, okay, I doubt it's that easy. However... <laughs> I don't think it's rocket science. Um, I studied environmental chemistry in college. It was super challenging and I'm not one of those people that are just naturally smart. I really had to work at it. I spent hours in the library on the weekends and the nights. So, um, you know, looking at real estate investing, I was like, okay, well, I like networking with people and I don't think it's rocket science. So I think this is something that I can do. Um, so within three weeks, I was meeting with now my, my business partner and we were talking about, okay, what are the first steps on getting started in real estate investing?
2: So talk to, to us about the first deal that you guys did together. What were the, the steps that you took? And we always want to know, like, what are the lessons? Right. Yeah. What went right? What went yeah. wrong? And what did you learn from that? And 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 for
1: you, Stephanie, this wasn't like ten years ago because sometimes I forget. Like, oh <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, I was. You know, I know the city, <laughs> those kinds <laughs> of things. But yeah, it's so fresh. And I think getting over that hump is critical. So yeah, excited to hear.
0: Yeah. So we started our LLC back in July of 2018. So we actually closed on our first deal this past summer. So 2019. Um, So it was, it was almost a full year until we Mm. actually did a deal. Um, And during that time we analyzed deals, we networked with realtors, with other wholesalers, with fix and flip investors. I mean, we literally just kind of went after it um, just to kind of get like a solid network around us because we understood that. While we can do all this stuff on our own, it is so critical and so important to obviously have the not only right team set up around you. And when I say team, I mean, um, you know, hard money lenders, realtors, um, but also mentors and people in the community that are really, um, that you've built strong relationships with that you're able to kind of leverage their knowledge to help you get to that next step, Right. Um, so our first deal, um, we were doing some cold calling, um, to a pre-foreclosure list in San Antonio. So I'm actually in Austin. This is in San Antonio and we got somebody on the phone and they were like, you know what? I'm about to go through foreclosure. Um, I, I obviously want to stop this foreclosure from happening. What can you do to help us? Well, my business partner being on the phone call with him, um, you know, this is our first like. Round of getting somebody that's like, wow, this person's interested. We actually <laughs> got them on the phone. They're actually engaged with us. But like, now what do we do? Because we literally have no idea what we're doing at that point. We have people that know what they're doing, but us ourselves, not sure. Um, so we were fortunate enough to make some good contacts down in San Antonio um to be able to kind of help us through it. And by help us third, I mean um, you know, we had a realtor on our team, we had another wholesaler on our team. Um, But at that point with how fast, because I think they reached out to us about a week and a half before the foreclosure date. Um, Mm. We didn't have time to wait. We didn't have time to necessarily go through every single detail to make sure that the deal lined up for us. right? So we're like, who's the best person we know that's going to be able to help us? Not only with the deal itself and making sure that it is actually a deal and able to run the numbers, but also a specialist in pre-foreclosure that understands all the things that happen in order to stop a foreclosure from happening in such a short period of time. Um, So my business partner actually called me. So fast forward probably a couple days from the original phone call and I get a phone call and it's after work. And I'm like, so what's going on? And he's like, well, we got this house. Um, We're putting it under contract. We need to mail about $6,000 down to San Antonio to this guy named Geraldo. (laughs) Um, and we're, we're taking on this property and I'm like, what we don't have, I don't have the address. I have none of the numbers. I don't even know this person, Araldo Like I am literally like where, where am I sending $6,000? Like, excuse me, can we back up about 10 steps and can you tell me start to finish how we got to this point? Um, so after talking with him, I was like, okay, I'm going to get on the phone with Araldo. Um, and I'm going to like figure out all these details and kind of take it from here because I'm very type A, very organization process driven. Um, so I got on the phone with Oraldo, and he happened to be a admin on a pre foreclosure group on Facebook um, in San Antonio. So we were very, very fortunate to be able to basically connect with this person and say, look, we have a seller, a distressed seller on the phone. Um, they're going through foreclosure. They have a week and a half can you help us? Um, and he was able to jump on the call with the seller, get the property under contract um, and move forward from there. So we set up a JV agreement with Araldo, who's down in San Antonio that was boots on the ground. Um, the deal was structured that he would be handling the majority of the oversight on the contractors. He obviously was handling the dialogue with the seller. So the Uh, way that the deal was structured was that we paid in a little bit more to have his services, um, his boots on the ground services done. And then the profit split was 50-50. So yeah, we are very, very fortunate to have such a great partner in San Antonio and kind of have all this kind of come together as it did. I mean, honestly, there's so many real estate investors out there. We could have totally gotten burned and knock on wood, it never happened. But like, the first deal of ours, like, honestly, we didn't have a lot of issues. It was a cosmetic rehab. It required about five to $8,000 in actual rehab. So paint, carpet, handyman work. Um, and then it was about, I want to say about $12,000 past due um, to reinstate it. Um, so yeah, we held it for about a month and a half, got all the cosmetic stuff done, put the property... Um, Put the property on the MLS. We had six offers in three days, and then we closed within 30 days. So honestly, it's it's really fantastic to see, you know, the success of our first deal and how great it all pieced together. And I don't think it would have been that successful if we would have taken on a property like this or any deal without having the right network. Mm-hmm. And granted to say we didn't know Araldo before we started working with him, but we had. Connections in place. We had our kind of uh, confidence of knowing what we're doing to a certain degree to be able to explain to, you know, this investor down in San Antonio, like, hey, we do have a distressed seller. We think it's a good deal. Like, how can we help each other? How can we, you know, help this seller and move forward on this deal?
1: There's so many things I want to break down because (laughs) there's that you have such a great. There's so many little nuggets here so let's let's just take it step by step. Yeah. The pre foreclosure list. Yes. Where did you get it? How did you so get your hands on it?
0: Not directly from the county website.
1: So you went on the did you you didn't have to pay anything then if you went on the county website? Nope. Okay. Nope. Good good lesson for for the ladies listening because we often think we have to pay all this money, you know, for all these lists. Exactly. Um yeah. and so, you know, your county Representatives can be very, very, very helpful. Yeah, so that's that's a great that's a great point. How many calls did you make before the gentleman that you actually found said, "Yeah, I'd love to talk to you"? How many calls? Just out of curiosity.
0: Over the year before we got this this property under contract, I mean, we probably submitted. I mean it's it's really not that much, but in our eyes, it was because we were both working full time and we Mm -hmm. both had or. I was working, he was working full time. I was Mm -hmm. working kind of full time. Um, so we probably offered maybe over 30 offers on properties between Austin and San Antonio. And then, you know, we had gone through processes of losing option money, losing earnest money on other properties that Mm -hmm. just weren't good fits. We ended up looking at them, them not being an actual deal and having to walk away from a couple thousand dollars.
1: Um,
0: but as far as phone calls, I would say maybe 100, 150 to actual distressed sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can go into a little bit about kind of how we've refined that process now and what we're doing now in order to kind of um, leverage our time and what we're good at and be able to really maximize how many calls we're making. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: before, before you go there, I just want to dissect a little bit of what you just said before for your first deal. Because sometimes I think it's, it's so important to just uh, break down the expectations, right? Mm-hmm. As you guys heard, Stephanie, she started in 2018 and closed on her first property in 2019. So many calls in between, lost uh, earnest money in between. A lot of things went left, right, sideways, you name it. So I think that sometimes when we get started in real estate, we have the wrong expectations. We feel, oh, I made two, three offers. I got cursed by a, a seller and um, it's been two months. I'm done. This is not for me. So the thing is, the stars also did not line up, right? It's mm-hmm. not that you, you, Stephanie, you had two, three months to analyze this deal and think about it and sit and just like think a little bit more about it. No, you had a week and a half. Mm-hmm. So you got to like make a really call. Yep. And the other thing that I want to point out is like really leverage. Do you want to eat the entire pie or, or not eat at all or have a little piece of it mm-hmm. and learn why you're doing it? I think it's so smart. I don't care what was the split, if you made a dollar or if you just got the entire, you know, half of the profit. It doesn't really matter the split. On the first deal, what she learned, and now nobody can tell her that she didn't do it. The most difficult thing is to really, like, break that, you know, glass ceiling and say, no, I've done it. I went through the process and, and went through all of that. One thing that I want to talk to you about is the emotional part of it. That when you, when you, as you mentioned, you are like type A and your partner is probably a different personality than yours. I'm assuming. Yes,
0: correct. So he's on the sales side. He's very quick to action. He's wants to make a decision very fast. Um, Whereas I'm like, let's think this through. Like, let's look at all the (laughs) options. Let's talk about different exit strategies. Let's talk about different options for the stuff. Oh yeah, he is totally um, not the same as me, but I mean, that's part of the reason why we got in business together is because he knew he was not good at operations, but good at sales. I knew I was good at operations and not good at sales. So we very much so when we came together to decide to start this business, we had a clear definition of what our responsibilities were going to be in the company moving forward, right? This is your skill set. This is my skill set. We both agree that those are where we're going to stay and kind of how we lay out tasks and to do's. Um, So I think that that, you know, sorry to kind of get off topic, but I think that that's so important that when you are talking about partnering within an LLC or even JV partnering, um, what, what skills and what, what's your value that you're offering to your business partner or your JV agreement? How involved are you going to be? Um, so I think that that's a question that I have that come up a lot from other investors of, you know, how do I structure, how do I get in a business with somebody? Mm-hmm. And I think that those are the first questions of what are you bringing to the table? What are they bringing to the table? Are there gaps and things that are are going to be missing and who's going to fulfill that skill set right. that neither one of you guys have, right?
2: Exactly. And that that's exactly what I was going to ask. Did you guys sit down and put that on paper? You're like, you take this personality test, I'm going to take the personality test and then we're going to combine. Uh, how how did that really like, bro- how did you guys break down?
0: So we used to actually work for um, the same company. So the same company I quit last April, we worked together for about three years. So. Um, we were colleagues before, um, we've known each other for a while. We, he had quit the company. And so there was about a year of time that had passed until we got kind of back reconnected. Um, but it really came down to, I know you're like this and you know, I'm like this. And so like, (laughs) how are we going to delegate responsibility? So when he called me with this deal, I was like, this is so you, right. (laughs) And I love him for it. Um, but I was like, okay, let's take a couple of steps back and like, you know, let me figure out how I can mentally place all this stuff. And part of that is obviously taking control of this portion. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> and did you actually too, when you sat down together, did you map out your strategy saying, okay, we're going to go down the pre-foreclosure path and we want to flip a property or were you open to what came of calling these pre-foreclosure, this pre-foreclosure list because, you know, that's always an interesting question. How detailed of a strategy do you make ahead of time? Or do you figure that out once you get the deal underway and say, okay, we can flip this, we can wholesale it, we can hold it as a rental. When you clearly renovated it, very minor, you know, small renovation, and then, which was great, and then you sold it. So did you actually, you know, really flush that out, the strategy part?
0: So to be honest, no, um, because we were getting into business together and we literally didn't have a lot of background in real estate investing. We knew about real estate, but we didn't know about the investing side. So I think it goes back to like how long it took us to kind of get to our first deal, because we did look at a lot of different avenues. We were you know, contemplating, okay, so if we send out like a batch of mailers to tax liens, what kind of return on investment are we going to get? How many calls are we going to get from mailers? Um, if we call these people that are that have tax liens, w- what kind of return on investment or callbacks are we going to mm-hmm. get? Um, so we did that. Um, we've also dabbled in the multifamily space. Um, so we've really kind of, you know, taken different turns throughout our journey to this point, and I'm sure it's going to continue to be that way. Sure. Where. You know, if you're looking at a single family house, there are so many different options you have when you're analyzing a deal. So it may be a good wholesale deal because maybe it requires a lot of rehab and the hard money lender that you're connecting with or the hard money lenders that you're connecting with would require you to put down say $30,000. Okay, so maybe that's not the best move is to go through a fix and flip like that. Maybe it's better to wholesale. Um, maybe it's a good buy and hold property. So I think knowing a little bit about each one of these methods really creates that tool belt for you to be able to analyze a deal and say, hey, this wouldn't work for this, but it would work for this. Or, um, hey, this is like way over our head because it's a pre-foreclosure and it's an inherited house and they're also behind on their tax liens. I mean, you have no idea when you're getting on the phone with these people what kind of actual distress they are. You might be calling off a pre-foreclosure list, but you have no idea what other issues they might right. have financially. Yeah. So Absolutely. realistically, you know, when you're calling these distressed sellers, there's so many things that could possibly come up from the initial, how distressed are they or what they're distressed on versus how can I make this a deal? Is it wholesale? Is it fix and flip? Is it buy and hold? Is it, um, you know, maybe you want to fix, flip it and then, um, you know, do like the burst strategy, or maybe you want to bring in a partner. So there's so many different options and kind of knowing those various different options are going to make it so that you can capitalize on every deal you're able to get. Right. Mm -hmm. So you spend all this money or even all this time or a combination of both to be able to actually get these distressed sellers on the phone So it's important to be able to have that tool belt ready that you know all of the options because out of say 200 phone calls, you get one phone call that might be a deal. You want to make sure that you're analyzing it for every possible scenario, whether it's for (laughs) you or you're going to wholesale it into a buy and hold deal. It doesn't matter. You just want to make sure that you're looking at it from all the avenues and saying, okay, I'm going to capitalize on every single phone call back I get.
1: Love that.
3: Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. Biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa.
4: You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve steadily.com. can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
1: And the financial, having your clear clarity on your financial goals is really important because all those different strategies all output a different financial goal, right? So buy and hold is going to be more cash flow, right? Hopefully, hopefully. you know, buy too high, hopefully. Knock on wood, right?
0: Awesome, but, but yes, in most markets. Right. Or
1: wholesaling is going to produce a certain check, right? Depending mm-hmm. on what you're doing. And then fix and flip, et cetera. So you always have to think, is this, you know, what what strategy are my like what are the possibilities? But also is it aligned with my financial goal? So where I am. Right right now because you know if you're trying to make a couple hundred dollars more a month because you love your job and you just want to make some additional income and build your wealth Mm -hmm. and then you said i'm gonna go fix and flip a 100 houses that maybe that that doesn't seem aligned right because fixing and flipping is not going to give you monthly cap unless you build a team and that's a whole other conversation but more so it's not going to give you that kind of rental income because you're not renting the property i mean i seem it's so obvious but when Mm -hmm. people are getting started there's so much getting, they're getting bombarded with all these things. Yep. And I think it's overwhelming. I think it is for, for a lot of, a lot of women, uh, certainly a lot of people, but um, I just want to make that quick point. Distressed sellers, let's go back there because you said you refined your process. So where did you start? What process did you start with? And then what have you learned through that you know first deal and what would be you'll be using moving forward and what like you know recommendations you know ideas can you give the women listening so they can be more effective as well
0: yeah absolutely and i think that this is kind of there's multiple subjects to discuss because we're obviously doing i'm going to call long distance investing um, san antonio mm-hmm. is only about an hour and a half from us but obviously with my business partner and i both working full time jobs that is long distance right yeah. you're going to mm-hmm. have to carve out a saturday or sunday if you want to drive down there I mean, emergencies come up, you could probably make it down and back in an evening, but we're going to call it long distance investing. So, um, you know, part of it is obviously, do we want to continue to market in, in, in markets that are long distance? Well, for us in Austin, it's obviously a very aggressive market. There's a ton of investors. Um, people in Austin know how much their homes are worth. There's about 150 new people moving to Austin per day. Wow. Great real estate market, but obviously very challenging for investors because there's so many investors in the market, or at least now that I'm in the investing world, there's so many investors <laughs> in the market, right? Everyone's a real estate investor once you actually get into it and start networking. Um, but the price point to get into Austin, I mean, you can't really find houses under say 200,000, maybe even 250. I think the median houses are between 350 and 400. Um, So it's a high price point to get into the Austin market and it's probably similar to other markets as well. Um, So for us, San Antonio is really a good fit for us. On top of it, we obviously learned a lot through our first deal working with um, Araldo down in San Antonio. Um, So we've kind of partnered up with him in a sense to help us move forward with some of these distressed sellers. So the process right now that we have in place is that we hired a virtual assistant that we hired um, through Upwork. Um, So she is pulling the county data, she is skip tracing the data, and then she is calling these people every single day, or, well, the new list every single day, but, and we have a certain follow-up schedule that we use and we send mailers and we send texts and um, various different contact points. Um, so we have that process set up where basically she gets these distressed sellers on the, fo- on the phone. She has a lead form that gets sent out to both us and Araldo, our partner down in San Antonio. And then there, from there, Aroldo basically sets up a phone call with that seller and then we continue forward from there. Mm, got
2: it. And I, I'm very okay. curious to understand how do you qualify somebody as distressed? Because sometimes, uh, in, you know, on our in Facebook group, the investor community, we hear a lot of women, oh, I drove two hours to meet this person. And he didn't show up or uh, I wasted so much time analyzing this. And at the end, he had like a really outrageous sales price. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hold on a second. What are your criteria to determine that this person is in a distressed situation? Because does he or she need to sell or they are just thinking or like...
0: Just having a feeling of how much you're going to pay for my house. I think the biggest thing with distressed sellers, like you're going to get, you're going to be able to connect with people that are going through foreclosure and their foreclosure date is three weeks out. And they may tell you, oh, my brother's sister's cousin is going to buy the house. Or, um, you know, we've already figured out like a loan modification with the bank or, So in those cases, obviously, they're not super distressed still because they have at least one option. Now, are those people that you're going to want to follow up with? Absolutely, because the brother, sister's cousin might not come through with the money or the loan modification might not be um, acceptable to the sellers or they might not have the financial situation to be able to accept that loan modification from the bank. Um, so you're going to get a mixture kind of of calls, or at least we've gotten a mixture of calls between people that, yes, we would consider them distressed because they are in fact going through foreclosure, or at least they are proposed to go through foreclosure. However, they might have scenarios or options available to them that we're not aware of already um, until we get them on the phone and we, until we kind of get them to speak on what their situation is actually like. Um some of these people as well are obviously in denial, right? They're not going to foreclose on my house. It's my, it's my primary residence. You know, I don't know where I would go, but you know, we're going to figure out something. And so some of these people, you kind of have to talk them. I don't want to say to the ledge because that sounds awful, but you kind of have to talk to them about like, this is actually happening. Like this is a very big financial doomsday that is on your doorstep and will be knocking on the first Tuesday of the month. And really educating them on what happens when you go through foreclosure it's kind of you know kind of stepping them a little bit closer to the edge and it doesn't necessarily mean that hey you need to sell us your house because we're the only option for you it's just putting somebody or getting that person in the mindset of like this is happening whether you want to work with us or you want to work with another investor It doesn't, you know, it does matter to us, but it doesn't matter to us in the sense of, we need you to understand that this is going to be the financial doomsday for you, right? Mm. You're not going to be able to buy another property. You're not going to be able to, you know, you're going to have a hard time renting an apartment or a house. You're going to have credit card companies calling you, other financial institutions calling you. I mean, it is literally the doomsday of, of finances. And so really getting these people to understand like, this is not something that one is going to go away on its own. And two, this is, this is coming up soon, right? So usually we get about a month's notice, um, or at least on our County, they posted about a month in advance, maybe a month and a half, but Mm -hmm. realistically, that's not a lot of time to consider. Okay. If my, my sibling or somebody else is going to be buying my house from me, like to get financial, to get, traditional financing through a conventional loan that's not a lot of time right so it's it's really bringing some of these sellers to reality of hey this is the situation and whether you want to address it now or you want to address it a week before the auction it is going to happen (laughs) so I think that that's part of it is like getting on the phone with these distressed sellers and understanding really what's going on in their lives that are causing them to be financially stressed and then being able to provide options to them. And again, it doesn't necessarily have to be with us. Maybe it's as simple as, have you tried calling the bank and doing a loan modification? Um, does anyone in your family have money that you can pay the reinstatement amount and you'd be able to continue forward with mortgages? So,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, just talking through some of those options because maybe they don't really need to sell it to an investor. Maybe they don't need to lose their house to anyone, nonetheless, the bank. Um, but it's really about just, having that um that part of you that actually genuinely cares about what happens with that seller as you're talking through their financial situations and their stresses and kind of what's going on in their lives to cause them to get to this point
3: mm.
1: yeah, and it's so important, right, so you're actually taking. You're taking interest in them. That, that's that's true customer service, and and ultimately you're serving them to support them, and or go with you or go with someone else. But you're you're providing education, and I think when you're really in that quote unquote sales role, right? We have our sales hat on. Sales is service, in my opinion. I used to do a lot of selling, and I'm like, I'm doing service. I'm I'm in service. That's how I felt, and that it felt good to me to be in service. It didn't always feel good to like. I have this widget, buy it if you need it or not. That's not to me, effective sales actually. Right. You know, so that's, you sound like you're doing um, such a great job of that education. Now, I'm, I'm curious, how did you, how do you train your VA to, to ask those questions? Right. Cause that's a, that's a high level conversation, right? I get a distressed homeowner on that phone. This isn't like, what's your name? How much do you owe? Can we meet with you? Like, I, and if I'm a homeowner, I'm like, whoa, okay. I don't know if I want to meet with these people. You know, the way you're talking, Stephanie, I want to talk to Stephanie. You know, right. you know, what you're talking, you have their best interests in mind. You want to be of service and see if this thing is a fit. So how did you get a VA to have those higher level, I think, conversations, um, a script, training? Did they have experience? Like, how did you find that person?
0: Yeah. So I was, I guess I would say I'm very lucky to have this virtual assistant, Veronica. Um, she lives in El Salvador. She's fantastic. Love her. Don't hire her. We're about to move her up. Time. Um,
1: everybody's everybody's on, on on Upwork right now. Veronica and El Salvador.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So she actually has about three years of experience cold calling Uh, distressed sellers. She primarily worked off of Fizbo's and vacant properties. So we've kind of had to change her mindset a little bit to pre-foreclosures and ultimately subject tos. So subject to the existing mortgage. Um, Those are things that like I sit down and take time to go over with her. Hey, we're calling pre-foreclosures. And instead of asking them, how much do you want for your property? dig into their financial information about how much is left on the mortgage, um, what their mortgage payments are like every month. Because with in our situation, we don't have $250,000 cash to go take over a home and be able to close on it in three days. For us, we're leveraging not only our knowledge, but our network too. If it did come down to, we need $250,000 cash to buy this home, then we would have a network to help us but we don't want to set up the conversation where, Hey, we have cash. Here's the price. Let us know. We're more so like, let's understand your situation. Is there a situation where we can actually take over your mortgage mortgage or we can take over your property subject to the existing mortgage. So really what we're concerned about is obviously just paying off the reinstatement amount and then any rehab that's needed. So Yes, while it takes money to obviously pay off a reinstatement amount, especially if they're very past due, it's a much easier entry point for investors that don't have $250,000 sitting in their bank account or the network to be able to make that happen as well. So really sitting down with Veronica and saying, hey, um, we're focusing on pre-foreclosures, they're past due on their mortgage. We need to understand what their mortgage situation is like, what their financial situation is like, because it, we don't necessarily want to be the people that say, hey, here's our price, here's our offer. It's more so like, what's your situation? How can we, in our limited situation with financials, help you, right? Um so I'm very fortunate enough to obviously have a VA that goes above and beyond. So when I'm talking to her about pre foreclosures or subject to, she's actually going on YouTube on podcasts and learning about this stuff to be able to apply it to our business. So we're very fortunate to have her kind of that go-getter personality. Also on top of it, I have Araldo down in San Antonio, who's also fantastic very, very knowledgeable that has obviously helped coach me in turn, helped coach her. So again, it kind of goes back to the source of talking with Araldo saying, Hey, we're going after these pre foreclosures. We want to continue to do business with you. And we know, you know about pre foreclosures. How does that script go? How do you, you know, formulate these calls and how do you have, you know, good ROI on these phone calls or you're able to close these deals? And, and the conversation goes, Stephanie, first and foremost, you're trying to help somebody, so you have to be authentic in understanding their situation, what they're going through, understanding all the bits and pieces on, you know, how much they're past due, can they make the payments, you know, what's going on, and then be able to have all these different resources at your fingertips to be like, well, you can try this, you can try that, um, and those are all things that we are, I'm learning along with our virtual assistant. So Areldo's kind of teaching me. I'm also reading stuff online, listening Mm -hmm. to podcasts, and then turning it over and saying, okay, Veronica, this is the stuff that I understand about it. And she's like, okay, got it. I'm going to go do my own research too. So again, it's a continually learning process. And she's very good about saying, hey, I tried it this way. It didn't work. Like the phone call was not a great success or, hey, I tweaked my pitch or script a little bit to this and this has had better success.
2: So you're not waiting to get all, all correct, to get started, or all your knowledge. Let me read a hundred books and yep. let me just get learn all the, the, the knowledge fly. about <laughs> it. Right? It's
1: so important. It's so important what you're saying, Stephanie, because you're, we'll always be learning. We'll always be growing. Mm-hmm. There's really not ever a point where I learn things all the time and we've been doing you know, certain investing for many years. And I learned something. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't realize that. So it's a continual process. I love that way of being because if we all had that way of being, it wouldn't take so long, took so long, so long to get started. So long. So you know, it's like this, I love that. Cause you need to know enough. Yeah. But then you need to get into it as well. And then you're going to learn and then you're going to teach the VA. I love that process.
0: Yeah. Um, And I think honestly, Liz, it goes back to like the great network that we've built over the past year before we even did our first deal. We had good resources in place where we could reach out to somebody on a Facebook pre-foreclosure group on Facebook and say, this is what I got. And can you help us? You know, he can go online and look, okay, they have a website, they have, you know, a bunch of people that they're connected with on Facebook that are real estate investors, they're also a part of the real estate investor community. Hooray! You know, there's a lot of things. Yeah. There's a lot of things that, you know, for him to come into business with us and vice versa, we already kind of had that foundation of like, we're in this, we're in the market, we're in the community. We know people We're not just, Hey, we started this yesterday and Hey, we got this foreclosure seller on the phone you know, it took us a long time and we continue to obviously work on it, but it took us a long time to kind of build out that strong network of people. We have a great realtor down in San Antonio that we use, um, you know, without him, I think that, you know, our business wouldn't have really pushed forward as much as it had because he's very type A along with me. Um, But you know, he took us driving through the streets of San Antonio saying, hey, this is this market, this is this market, this is what houses go for. um, And this is why San Antonio might be a better price point for you guys over investing in Austin. Now, obviously he might be a little biased towards San Antonio, because obviously he's a realtor down there. But when it came down to it, if you look at the numbers, it does make sense. And to have that resource down there that is able to, you know, not only lend you a helping hand when it comes to comps and understanding, you know what sellers would be looking for in that neighborhood and how much do you have to rehab in order to get this ARV. I mean, that that information is completely priceless, right? Um, and so we, you know, it did take us a year to do our first property, but the way that the deal ended up happening and playing out, I'm so grateful that all of those other offers and all those other deals that (laughs) we looked at previously did not work out because we can successfully say our first flip, we made 23%. And that's, you know, I, I think a lot of investors are like, wow, that's so great. I only made a thousand or I made 2000. It's like, but the learning process during that is the, is the priceless point, right? (laughs) Exactly. But luckily we didn't have to necessarily, learn through fire in our first deal because we've already built up such a strong network prior to
2: awesome so now you and your partner are full-time have a full-time job and are continuing growing your real estate investing you know all all what we are all about in this community is really empowering women to live a financially free and balanced life so the balance for you how does that look like now
0: so the balance for me is really understanding kind of what, what, my, what my objectives are and why I'm doing it. So I think a lot of these coaching programs, a lot of books that you pick up on real estate investing, it, they talk about what's your why, right? So if your why is I want to spend time with my kids or I want to be able to vacation anywhere at any time um, on a moment's notice that's your why, that's your drive. However, if you are spending most of your time only working, you're going to get distracted from what your why is because you're going to be so ingrained in what's going on on a day-to-day basis. You're going to forget while you're doing this and you're going to get burnt out real quickly. So I think the biggest thing for me and how I set my, my goals for the week or goals for the day is just taking one small step, right? So Maybe you have, um, today I want to find a company that does mailers, or today I want to um, post on Upwork a job description of what we're looking for for a virtual assistant, or today I need to make 10 calls and by the end of the month I want to do one offer. So it's really making sure that you're taking care of, hey, these are my to-dos, but you're also not letting those to-dos take away from the fact of why you're doing it. If you're mm-hmm. having to skip out on your whys, so spending time with your family or taking that weekend vacation, maybe it's not a weekend in, in France, but it's a weekend in, you know, Wimberley, Texas to so the wine country. You know, those are the little things that are going to keep you energized while right? while you're kind of in this thick of trying to figure things out. It's really understanding that, you know, everyone has so many things going on on a certain day what's one small step you can do today or one small step you can do this week that gets you that much closer to what your end goal is and obviously fulfilling your why but again if it's taking away from your your why and you're not getting to enjoy time with your kids because you're working all the time or you're not getting to take you know a, a vacation every couple months or whatever you're going to quickly lose momentum for those, even those little things that you have to do on a daily or weekly basis.
1: I love that. I think that I've never heard the why explained that way. And I'm thinking about what you're saying. I mean, obviously, why are we doing this? What's that? What's that? What's that? Um, burning desire we all have. And I think yeah. that's critical and something that I've connected with many moons ago when I was goal setting. But then to keep that on a daily basis in your life and actually have you know, to kind of do some of that why, so to speak, in a small way, to keep it fresh, to keep it inspiring you. I think that's a great, great point. Uh, I think that's an excellent point. Because if not, you know, if it's like, I'm doing all this for, you know, creating a legacy for my kids, and then you're not spending any time with your kids, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That could feel unbalanced. That's not Mm going to feel balanced, you know, and how do you, how do you fit it all in, right? So, I love that. Yeah,
0: and, and obviously, you know, you're going to have certain things you have to compromise on. But I think overall, keeping that picture in mind that like, hey, I do have to miss soccer practice tonight, but I am for sure carving out three hours on Saturday to go to the soccer game. So of course, there's going to be a balance there too. But I think that it's so important for, for us ladies that we have so many things going on on a daily and weekly and monthly basis. And it just kind of gets overwhelming at times on all the stuff that you have going on. So you really have to look at it and say, how do I prioritize the things in my life? Why am I doing the things that are keeping me busy? Do I even need to be doing them first and foremost? And two, are these things that are keeping me busy, are they help fueling my why, or are they taking away from my why?
1: Yeah. Great question. Great question. Um, We can keep going on this path for another hour. (laughs) So we'll have to do like, you know, part two, stage two, but uh, great, great insight, both from a mindset perspective but also from just uh, how did you get your first deal done so so thanks for all your great insight. Stephanie, where can the women listening learn more about you? You know, the business you've you've uh, created at your fueling every day. So where can they where can they connect with you?
0: Yeah, so um we are we have a website Yellow Dog Property singular.com. Um you can also email me um, or call me. Um, I'm also obviously an organizer for the Austin Investor Meetup. So if you're in the Austin area at all, generally speaking, um, feel free to come and see us. We have obviously the Facebook group for our local chapter um, that has my contact information as well as all the guest presentations, guest speaker presentations that we've done in the past. Um, so yeah, find me on Facebook. We have a website. I'm obviously on the Meetup app. I'm very active on the Meetup app um, under the Austin, Texas Investor Meetup.
2: That's awesome, and we are so so fortunate to have you as one of our leaders. And you're very active in in terms of how can we grow a community, not just in Austin but in the entire country. So we're really appreciative of all your efforts. So. For you guys that are listening all of this great information you can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one Stephanie is, what is the most powerful and transformational book you have ever read?
0: Um so I to be honest I'm not a huge reader. Um but I have been actively forcing myself to read more. Um, hoping to make it a daily habit, at least 30 minutes a day, whether that's on a lunch break, before work, after work, or, you know, <laughs> any downtime that I have. Um, but I would say that really what kind of shifted my focus, and I read it years and years ago, and I actually picked it back up and started reading it again, um, is The Four Agreements by Don, Don Miguel. Um, That book has really talked about personal freedom that in turn Mm -hmm. has really got me thinking about financial freedom and basically how I connect the dots within my social networks and how I really handle myself as a person and the thoughts that I have on any given day to myself.
2: It's awesome. I, I love it. We spoke about it in the past. I'm thinking about like tattooing it on my wrist. We'll see.
0: <laughs> Keep it posted. Send me a picture if you get it done. <laughs> all right. That's we'll go That's all
2: around. <laughs> so the second question is: What's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life?
0: For me, it's going to yoga. So I've been practicing yoga for about two and a half years now. Um, I did go through teacher training. I am certified. Um, I don't actually teach because. I love practicing. I don't know if I love teaching people to practice yoga, um, but that's really the one hour a day that I have just to myself. It's not what email did I not send? What didn't I take care of today? What um, What's my family's plans today? What's for dinner, etc. It is literally an hour of the day where you're literally only right there in that moment thinking about, how your body's moving, how your breath is—is what's your breath pace—and um, really being in the present. And I think that it's so amazing for me, and I know other women that you know have physical activity in their daily their daily routines. Um, it really is that time to really take it for yourself and and really shut down the rest of the world and say, out of a 24-hour day, I'm literally giving myself one hour. That's not too much to ask, right? one hour of the day that I'm going to decompress and only focus about where I'm at right now and like physically and mentally and just be here be now
2: that's awesome and the last question is which
0: women famous or not has inspired you the most Um, so I know that we've talked about this, but for me, it's my mom. Honestly, um, my mom is my biggest cheerleader. She has came to several investor meetups. She actually (laughs) came to the first one when I told her mom, I might be the only person there whenever (laughs) I host this meeting. And I, you just come and hang out with me just in case nobody shows up. (laughs) Um, but she has been fantastic. I mean, she, she's been in real estate for most of her life. She's never been on the investing side, but she's been in real estate. Um, and you know, for me, it's just been so amazing to have somebody so supportive. Um, I'm not married, so I don't have a spouse that, that kind of gives me that daily encouragement of like, you've got this, we're going to keep moving forward. What do you need help with? Um, for me, that's my mom. And to be honest, it's, it's just so, I'm so grateful to have her. And I'm so grateful that she wants to be a part of this journey with me.
1: Super. I'm so glad she came with you for that first meeting.
0: <laughs> so
1: tell <laughs> her, thank tell her, thank visit. you for us. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you for being you and uh, you know, excited to have you back on and
2: excited to get to Austin at some point. So yes,
0: please come visit.
2: Yes. Next year for the fundraiser. We might show up. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'd love that.
2: <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you.
1: as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.